0: We live in a society where young couples these days turning up for wedding ceremonies quite often want to write their own vows, very beautiful, pretty poetry, that kind of thing. And identical. They both want to vow exactly the same thing. Or they turn up at church and say, now, we want a wedding service in which we exchange the same vows because we're equal. And equal means identical, doesn't it? Well does it? Let's talk about that with the Dean of Sydney, Philip Jensen. Nice to see you again, Philip. Hello, Kells. good to be here again. Talk to us about marriage vows, the vows that we actually use in church do matter to us Christianly don't they? Yes they matter very much and uh, just making up your own vows ultimately
1: is not even legal I understand from the 1961 Marriage Act that there are certain things you have to say in the vows to make them legal. You can't just say anything you want to say.
0: Okay let's work our way through the vows. Mm -hmm. The The goal is it not is faithfulness that's what we're aiming at is it? Well that's what marriage is about. Marriage is about giving your word
1: and keeping your word. Right. It's a it's a contract it's a covenant and it's about being faithful to each other. And what are we being faithful to? Well, it's what we've promised to each other.
0: Right. And right.
1: so what we vow, what we promise to each other, is the basis, is a, an expression, is an articulation, is a setting out of what we can reasonably expect of each other for the rest of our lives.
0: So what we, what we have in our vows is actually very important. And we'll do three things. We'll explain and, and, and it will uh, explain, remind and teach. Just take a yeah, through Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, the the couple come to the minister for marriage.
1: Right. He puts the vows before them. And we have them in our in our prayer books. And you lay out the vows before them and, the person, and you go through them with people and say, well, this is what you're promising. Yes. And so it actually helps the couple understand what marriage is. And many a couple actually haven't thought much about children, how they're going to raise children, what they're going to do with their children. And so... It, it's it's important to discuss this before you start. It's important to work out. Now, it's not just the vows. The good minister will go through other matters with couples as well. But it's a really good time to stop and think for them. But then when you're at the wedding service itself, those of us who have been married before, who are already married and and are hearing the wedding vows, we're reminded of our promises. So yes. every time I go this to This is what wedding, you said, yes. yes. Yes, I'm reminded. and that is the same vows as we had is really very helpful to keep reminding us as married people that yeah that's what I promised and that's what I'm going to be doing. And then for those who aren't married it sets out for them what is marriage. Yes. yes. It, it's not just oh well, she wears a pretty dress and he gets dressed up in a suit that we've never seen before and never likely to see again yes. and then they go off on a holiday to Bali or something or other that's marriage. Yes. It actually lays out well this is what
0: marriage is. It is, is a teacher it's a bit like um, at the end of an evangelistic talk we explain how to become a Christian. Even for the unbelievers who don't become Christians, they now understand what it That's means right. to become a Christian. That's right. So even important. for those people not getting married, they now understand yes. what marriage means. That's right. It spells it out for them as to what it may mean and what it does mean. Right.
1: Now, as you say, sameness is not the same as, as, as equality and there are some things that both partners need to promise. They both need a promise to be faithful to each other. Yes, because that's true for the male, that's true for the female, that's of the nature of marriage. Uh, they both need to, to hear that marriage, what marriage is about. It's about family life. Um, and so the opening of the wedding service actually spells out for people that what marriage. It's, it's not just the vows,
0: it's the whole service spells out for people. This what is marriage why you're is. getting married. This is what the word marriage, in a Christian context, actually means. means. That's right. right. And so we're
1: told the three reasons for marriage in the prayer book that we have. And and the first reason is the having of children and living together long enough to raise them
0: to the praise and glory of God. It's interesting that that comes first. I mean, it comes first in Scripture because it's in Genesis 1 that we're we're instructed as male and female to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So it's It's almost the first thing on God's list of priorities, isn't it? It is the fundamental
1: of what marriage is about. Now, that's been pushed to one side over the last, I don't know, 50, 100 years so that the having of children is an optional extra. But that's never been the intention from the beginning. From the beginning, God made us male and female to fill the earth. He could have just made a male. He could have just made lots of humans. He
0: made a couple, male and female, in order to be reproductive. So we sort of have to start with children because the one institution which exists for the birth and nurture of children, Christianly, is marriage. There's yes. no other institution right. that does that. That's right. So we need to say that's its central
1: focus in that and sense. At that point it becomes a really important thing for society as a whole. But marriage is, is a social thing. That's why the, the two families come. Right, because out of these two families, as this couple joins up, all these people are now joined up with each other. Yes, and then as they have children, all those children and children are joined up with each other, and so the the social fabric and network of society is built out of all these families being that leave the mother and father. Yes, cleave to to each other, and then through
0: that produce children who will then be connected to for grandparents. You know? even, even unbelieving society I think understands that at some point. There was a survey recently and 73% of Australians want children to be raised by both their biological parents together yes, and to be bonded to them together that's Right, because even people outside the Christian church understand how vital that is for the next generation. What we're doing is the next generation. That's right. Now, there's two things about that. One is yes we'll understand it because that's the way we've
1: been made. Yes, It is is in our creation. It is our very nature. But secondly, of course, there are many people for whom that doesn't happen for many reasons. Uh, uh, The widow, the widower, the the person whose husband, wife dies early and the child is raised without, the the orphan, from the time of Adam and Eve, there have been all kinds of disruptions to that fundamental pattern. Yes, health and various things come in, yes. Now, those disruptions don't nullify that pattern. Right. The fact that this child has been raised by a single mother doesn't
0: mean that, okay, well single mothers are exactly the same as mum and dad and kids. Yes, and adoptive parents can be very loving and caring, but it's still not exactly the same thing as a couple getting married and having their own biological children.
1: It's it's very difficult, isn't it? I've got some friends who have been adopted who have been raised by such loving people, they have no interest in finding out who their birth mother or birth father is because for them, the mum and dad who adopted them is every bit as, as mum and dad as ever been. But other people who have been raised, even by loving parents, for whom the hole in their heart of finding well, who who am I really, where do I really come from, is massive. They will yes. not let go until they can actually meet up with who gave them birth and why they were given up for adoption and yes. where they come from, and similarly, I've had people who, who've, uh, whose birth has been through um, donor parents and things like that. And again, you don't know you, your genetic history, your medical history, well, all of those things. Part of the sheer practical problems. Yes, there's the psychological problems that run with it as to who am I and where did I come from and why did they do this to me and for me and yeah all of these are
0: pointers and, but to the was, normality at, of mum and dad and, to, and kids. And the normality is actually working. 72% of Australian children's are be, uh, children are being raised by both their biological parents in an intact family. That's right. It's easy to lose track of the fact it's actually happening. Yeah. It's actually working in That's that right. sense. So number one is this if, we, if we're at a, a wedding ceremony the number one thing is we're saying marriage is about children. Yeah. In our prayer book the only time people weren't Expected to have children, we pray for them to
1: have children, is when the woman is of mature age and cannot have children. Right. But that's an exception set aside because
0: the whole assumption of the service is it's about having children. Okay. So marriage is first and foremost about children. Secondly, <laughs> there there is also a bonding thing, isn't there, that yeah. happens? Yes. Yes. So yes. Talk to me about that. Well, there's a second reason is that God has created us and saw that it was not
1: good for man to be alone. Now, part of creating a helper for him was to create someone with whom he can have children to fulfill the mandate of humanity to fill the earth but it's also so that he may be able to, to cleave to his wife and have that object for his love and have that person with whom he can
0: share in life it's not good for the man to be alone no. yeah and thirdly there is it's part of christian holiness isn't it yes in 1 corinthians 7 we're taught that uh,
1: it's, it's good for us to uh, have a wife or to have a husband to provide for each other's sexual needs and not be tempted into sexual immorality. Right. So there are the three reasons. We need to get them in order if we're going to be clear. Got to get them in order. That's one of the big problems. And right. What's happened is we've reversed the order. Well, in modern liturgies, they've taken out the holiness issue because it doesn't matter to them anymore, which yeah. is terrible. And then secondly, they've reversed the order and made the loved one the whole, really the big one, and they've diminished and diminished the family one, the children one, so that it's a kind of optional extra. They that put thing... Gen- Genesis 2 in front of Genesis 1. Yes, well, uh, but even Genesis 2, I think, has children built into it to some extent. But yeah. yes, they do. But then it makes the whole of marriage about our love for one another, which puts terrific pressure on the quality of our relationship to be the nature of our, our married life. Now... Over the years, relationships develop and change, and the kind of limerence we have at the beginning dissipates. And mm. if, if the whole of my relationship is, is, the whole of my marriage is built on my relational ability, well, of course marriages will go off the rails. And uh, repeatedly now, young men and women after three, four, five, seven years of marriage are
0: saying, well, I, I don't like you anymore. I'm not interested in you anymore. Yes. So the marriage is not about our children, it's about my happiness. My happiness, is the, yes, is the goal of it, yep. which
1: is I'm, you can be very happy in marriage, but it's about raising godly children. Yes. Uh, that's why in Malachi 2, God made them one,
0: and why one? So that they may have godly offspring. I remember asking you once, we were talking about... Um raising children and I said what what's the best thing a couple can do for their children and you said stay together that's right it's always I the said best. even if they're unhappy you said stay together yeah. yeah well
1: we've seen studies too which show that those couples who stay together unhappily 10 15 years down the track are still happier than those couples who divide right except if there's physical violence yes that's yeah. a different thing because that's, uh, that's a criminal matter of a different order altogether but if there's no physical violence people walk away 10 15 years they're still unhappy
0: we're focusing on marriage and on the wedding vows now now marriage itself is, is not a sacrament of the church no it's a, an act of creation by god isn't that's it that's right it comes long before the church it's the way god has
1: created humans and that's why two people not married in christianity not married in the gospel are still married yes now, you don't have to be in church to get married you can be you know you can get rid of church weddings in one sense and run them by the by the government you can run them any way you like but A marriage is a marriage because God makes the man and the woman one,
0: uh, one flesh. And so that's what the marriage constitutes. It must be important to God if he says that it symbolises the union between Christ and his church. That's an enormous thing to say, isn't it, about a relationship? When God created us, he created us for the Lord Jesus. Just like when he created the woman, he created the woman
1: for the man so that we might share with Christ Jesus, that we might share husband and wife together. And so you see something of the gospel in marriage. Now, marriage is there for everybody, so therefore everybody can see something of the gospel. Right, right. But when you pull apart marriage and create it on a
0: different basis altogether, then people won't see what God was doing with Christ Jesus. When you talk about a different basis, I suppose that the pressure is to make it conform more to our society, isn't it? Well, make it conform more and more to our sinful society.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. To people suiting themselves, pleasing themselves, uh, uh, seeking to make themselves happy, rather than seeking to give their life to the raising of the next generation and
0: building the family of society and the family of humanity. Is that idea, the biblical idea of marriage, captured well in the Book of Common Prayer? Is it, is it oh, is yes, there? The, the Book of Common Prayer was written by Bible believers. Right. Now, they had a long tradition of,
1: of Catholic marriage before they edited the Book of Common Prayer. So And that Catholic marriage was also built out of the Bible and out of creation. So it wasn't as if it was something that needed massive alteration to be able to pull together a really good biblical service. And they did that. And they did it. Yeah. And that's why in a sense People still love the old wedding service. It's one of the parts of the prayer book that has hung on.
0: It and the funeral service. The most reluctant bits to go, aren't they? The most reluctant
1: because they are so close to what the Bible says about things.
0: Yes. Okay, so if you look at the Book of Common Prayer, is it going to say men and women have got different roles in marriage? Does it actually say that? Oh, yes. It says it both in the vows that they promise different things.
1: Right. Well, at the end of it, let me just get you a bit here. Right at the end of the service, it says... Uh, and after which, if there be no sermon declaring the duties of man and wife, the minister shall read as follows. All ye that are married, or intend to take the holy state of matrimony upon you, hear what the Holy Scripture doth say as touching the duties of husbands towards their wives and wives towards their husbands, and then you read out St. Paul in the Ephesians, chapter 5, and then you read out Colossians in chapter 3, <laughs> and then you read out 1 Peter in chapter 3.
0: You might at this point say, we would have gone for the sermon. Gone for the, it's a
1: quite a long reading. Yes. It's three passages, but the three passages are about the duties of husbands towards right. wives and the duty of wives towards husbands. Which are which are reciprocal, not identical. Yes, that's right. I, I I like to use the word uh, the asymmetrical. Yes, yes. But it's the same kind of idea. They're reciprocal.
0: Yes. Because one responds to the other, but they're not identical. Okay. Well, take us through what those roles are. What the vows are meant to to, to recognise. What is it that the man in a wedding ceremony he needs to be actually saying to his wife if he's going to recognise that biblical. Well, you then need to go through what the Bible teaches
1: about men and what the Bible teaches about women, but especially about men, because that's, in a sense, the harder, more important one. The wife is responding to what the godly man will be. Yes. And in that regard, Christ is the model for the husband as the church is the model for the wife. But the husband provides for his wife, protects his wife, but especially lays down his life for his bride as Christ laid down his life for And so the husband must think not of himself, but of her, and to take upon himself biblical leadership, which is different to the world's leadership. Biblical leadership is take responsibility. The world's leadership is domineer, control, rule over, exercise authority over. But the Bible sense of leadership is to take responsibility for to care for, to look after, to protect, to provide. So the widow, the orphan, they are God's particular concerns because without a father, without a husband,
0: they are left exposed to the dangers and difficulties and lacks of provisions in this world. They they don't have someone to take responsibility for them. And so that's what he
1: does, but he's got to do it like Christ, which means laying down his life for her. So he never does it in self-interest. He never does it to please himself, to satisfy himself. He always is concerned about what is in her best interest. What can I do to help her? And it doesn't matter how much it hurts me or costs me,
0: I will do it for her. It seems to me, I, I think, as the father of a daughter, I think fathers of daughters can see this because we think of our daughters getting married as us handing a responsibility over to someone else. Well, that was reflected in the prayer
1: book because the father is asked, "Do you give this? Well, who gives this woman to this man?" Yes. In part, so as to make sure that it is all part of that public connection of the two families. Yes. That this is not something that one family doesn't want, and the because that's a bad foundation to start the marriage from. But in part, because the father, in particular, fathers have a very protective, provision, caring role for
0: their daughters. Uh, it's deep and innate within us. And we look at a young bloke who wants to marry our daughter and we're saying to ourselves, will you take responsibility for you my daughter? Will you care for
1: my daughter? Are you gonna yes. use her? Are you gonna abuse her? Are you going to, that's uh, that's a very deep thing. I remember breaking my ankle, protecting one of my daughters once. You know? Yes. Uh, Peeping Tom came into the place. I charged down the stairs, broke my ankle on the stairs. I ran for five minutes looking for this peeping Tom in the street. Yeah, on a broken on ankle. On a broken ankle, unaware that it was broken. Yes. Such did the kind of natural instinct of testosterone, yes. adrenaline, but it's, it was the instinct of protecting my daughter. Yes, you know, yeah. you touch my daughter. It wasn't thought, I didn't sit and think, oh now what do I do
0: here? No, no. It, 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 it just you're took right. over. It is an instinctive thing. I, I think I've told you the story of my daughter was a little toddler walking along the top of the wall at, at a reptile park and falling <laughs> in, and I just jumped in and got her, and I didn't wait to see if it was taipans. It turned out to be turtles, so, <laughs> so it was all right. Yes, but but you don't stop and think. You just it could have been a crocodile. You just, just t- jump straight in and get you them. Do, you do. Yes. Yes,
1: and that parental concern, which I think fathers and daughters do have a difference about. Yes. Uh, Um, That parental concern is very important because I'm now
0: going to let go of that concern to a man who could be a monster. So so the groom has to stand up and say, I will take responsibility. I will love sacrificially and protect and provide for. And I will lay down my life to do this for her. but part of the problem, I think, this just occurred to me, so I am be off the track, part of the problem is I think for 50 years our society has been in flight from responsibility generally. Yes. So, so there, we live in a society and we absorb it through the pores of our skin that basically says, you know, avoiding responsibility is a good thing. You're just uh, here to enjoy yourself. It comes in lots of different forms. In the 1970s there was a bumper sticker, if it feels good, do
1: it. Yes. There's no responsibility in that. There's no sense of consequence for my actions of feeling good it just if it feels good do it well that's a hopeless basis upon which to run a marriage so if it feels good do it i mean yeah. sometimes at three o'clock in the morning it when you're nursing a your baby good. it does not feel good at all it, yes something or other but changing the dirty nappy is yeah, a good it does moment. not feel good <laughs> but it's
0: the stuff of life it's so important to do and to be responsible and to be caring. So we need wedding vows in which a bloke says, I will take responsibility to love sacrificially and protect and provide for. Yes, and I think men need it now.
1: See, there's a great dearth of commitment amongst men. Uh, Over and again, you hear more and more women are complaining about the fact that there aren't good men who are willing to stand by their woman and be committed to them, especially when, When you're dealing with marriage, you're dealing with the intimacy of our bodies. And it's so easy to damage and hurt each other. But when you're dealing with marriage, you're also dealing with pregnancy and confinement and birth and breastfeeding and taking years out of your life, a season of your life, in which small children are there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Very demanding, yes. It's really important that a man has a role in this exercise. Yep. And without a role, men walk away. And so you get these the feminist logo, a woman needs a man as much as a fish needs a bicycle. Yeah, in
0: other words, men are useless. Useless. Yes.
1: Well, if that's what you think, then you won't get any of them to take responsibility for women in their child raising. And still we see in Australia, the poorest people in Australia are number one Indigenous Australians, Number two, yep. single mothers,
0: deserted mothers, widows. They're still the most financially disadvantaged group of people. We hear about deadbeat dads who w- walk out of their wives because of the, the uh, Easy Divorce Act of yep. 1975 and take off to another state so they don't have to even pay any money. Yes, it's awful. Yep. And, and now our government's
1: reinforcing it all the time because women of uh, children at the age of the eight, et cetera, uh, have to go back to work. The widow's pensions have all been changed. So if your child is eight, you're supposed to go back to work. Mm. Well, latchkey kids is a phrase I haven't heard much recently, but having children coming home to empty houses for the afternoon before mum gets home from work,
0: not a healthy way to raise children. Even the secular commentators, even the humour McKay's will say the rise of feminism has taken away from men the role they used to have in society yes. and in family and yep. so on. and And that's what's happened isn't it
1: that's what's happened and it's a very dangerous thing to happen because men are profoundly irresponsible and sinful you are i am we are that's what men are and so if you ask a man to do nothing he will
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes
1: your low expectations of men are being totally reinforced whereas if you hold out to men, here's your job here's your challenge here's your you know this is something for you to rise up men will rise up to a challenge and That challenge to provide, to protect, to care, to love, to lay down your life for your wife is a challenge worth having and one that a woman can respond to
0: that kind of man with joy and pleasure. Can we get that into a wedding service? Is that possible, do you think? That kind of challenge to to say to a bloke, be a bloke, be a man, man man up. Man up, as they say, yes.
1: Yes, I think we can. I think the prayer book did in its own time and age. And if we're changing the vows, then we need to change the vows really to heighten the role of men. That's the the direction that the vows need to be changed, if anything, because that's the weakened area in our society. But if we're going to change vows in wedding services, we've got to change them in light of what the Scripture says. Right. There's no point us making up 21st century vows to solve 21st century problems. See, 1 Peter 3 says that a man must live with understanding of his wife in her physical need. So it's important that men understand their wives. Now in one sense that's an impossibility what man can ever understand a woman but <laughs> in another sense yes, yes. what it's being said is you've got, to, you've got to live with that kind of care and concern for the weaker vessel, for the physical disadvantages that she has through the reproductive processes and the, the by and large the smaller, less muscular, less strong person. So a man who who is violent with his wife, is breaking all his promises. It's, yes. it's totally unacceptable. No man is ever to subjugate subjugate his wife. He doesn't have to force her into submission or anything like that. That's total misses the point of what the prayer is about. But living with understanding, that is what he should... Well, well that's not in our promises even in this prayer book. Mm. So if we're going to improve the prayer book... Let's get more scripture into it. Let's get more scripture yep. into yep. it, especially seeing... In our age, the men aren't
0: doing the right thing. And for the woman's vows to make any sense, surely they must be responding to a bloke saying, I'm going to man up and take responsibility here. Oh, yes. Hers are are responsive all the way. So he is called to make the promises first, that he is
1: going to lay down his life for her. And only when he says that is she invited to submit to such a man. Right. Now, to a man who's going to lay down his life for you, you may as well submit to him. Because he's going to lay down his life for you. Yes. Well, what's yes. there not to submit to in that? But if a man says, I, "I'm going to be your husband and
0: I will treat you like you treat me,"
1: well, that's warfare. Actually,
0: that's well, not going to be helpful. I mean, it, it's a bit like the platoon leader on a, in a battle zone who either stands back and says, "Charge," or goes to the front and says, "Follow me." Yes, yes. There's one that you're very happy to follow. There's the other that you wonder if he's going to shoot you in the back when you don't charge. <laughs> yes. So, so we need to say follow me, I'm going yes. to be there, I'll be point man. Yeah, that's right. So,
1: and that's a powerful image for men that I think men can enjoy and want to do if it's spelled out for them. And I think women will benefit enormously from having a man
0: who's willing to put themselves out for, their, for them and their children. Quick final question, is it possible for us to have vows like that and then explain them to people who come to our churches to get married? Oh, it's not only possible, it's pastorally critically important that we do because this opens
1: up the real nature of your future relationship, as opposed to, we've fallen in love, let's get married. Yes. Which is a very poor basis upon which to start. It's like when people say in the vows, I do love you, when in fact the promise is, I will love you. It's Misunderstanding the difference in
0: I do and I will lies at the foundation of many failed marriage. Well, there you are. And that may well be the problem, actually getting through the fog of romance uh, to the solid a uh, rock of responsibility, but maybe that's our task. Philip Jensen, thank you for your time once again. It's a end. pleasure, Kel. And thank you for your company again on The chapel.